We're currently uh, in the middle of our foundation series and recovering topics that you have requested. I'm kind of going in depth a little bit last three weeks over the subject of the Trinity. We're in week three. On week one, we, we laid out the foundation for the Trinity in Scripture. In week two, we explored God the Father, God the Son. Um, why God the Father is God, obviously it's pretty clear in Scripture. Son, The Son, a little bit more uh, uh, subtle in Scripture, and now this week the Holy Spirit even more subtle. Uh, and today uh, we're going to be discussing, obviously, the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now to recap, I want to give us just a working definition of the term Trinity. You don't find it in Scripture However, it's, it's something that theologians and people have used uh, to describe um, this. We believe that God is one. There's only one God. Yet three distinct persons, each fully God. is because the Bible states that there is only one God, yet it clearly teaches that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. Yet again, it only declares that there's one God. So you've got an issue. The Bible teaches that there is only one God, Deuteronomy 6.4. We went over this in depth the last two weeks, so I won't belabor it again. And yet, it clearly teaches that God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. And so we're kind of on our way working through that this week, the doctrine of the Trinity. And so there's a little slide up here that kind of will confuse you even the more if we can get it up there. <coughs> there you go. Put that on your fridge. Yes, the, the Trinity Shield is kind of explains a little bit uh, in, in an illustration. Again, all this illustrations fall short, but uh, if you look on the top, there are bands on the outside that says "is not." The Father is not the Son. You know, the Son is not the Father, and so forth and so on. But the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And that's kind of the Trinity. We don't believe in three gods, we believe in one God. Now, if you ask, ask me if I understand that, I do not. I don't. There are things about God that he declares about our, to our finite minds that we will not understand. And somehow in our culture, we have to understand things in order for them to be true. Is that pretty real? Unless I touch it, unless I see it, it is not true. Show me the money, right? But yet, God is eternal. And again, I've drawn this picture. If you have a circle, there are things in my, like the outside of this circle are, are, is, the, is the greatest grasp that humanity can have. The brightest minds, the Einsteins, the Isaac, Sir Isaac Newtons, all these uh, physicists and theorists, this is what they can understand, what they can grasp. And sometimes God says things that are outside the box, outside the circle. And yet, we look at them and go with our two, you know, our three-dimensional minds and go, well, that possibly can't be so. The Trinity is one of those things. God reveals himself to us. And again, the, the focus isn't to get, a, get an intellectual understanding so you can defeat someone in an argument. That's not our purpose here. Although today is going to be very uh, you know, right-brained or whatever it is. You know, you're going to be focusing to, uh, on the intellect. I'm going to give them a lot of verses, a lot, and I expect you all to take notes. Back of your bulletin, flip them over. And I expect you to open your Bibles and read. I really do. Because we are sheep. I am a sheep. And learning is an interesting process. If you just hear something, you're going to forget it. But if you hear it, 
and you read it and you write it, you're actually going to remember it. And actually the, the fourth step, which is even going to help you more, is you, is you teach it. And that's kind of the one you want to get to as disciples in Christ. Amen? So take a second. Write things down. I'm trying to you know, hand out materials to you so that you have some point of reference in your own time. Dig after. But the point is John 17, 3 says what? And this is eternal life. To know the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. We want to know him. Because he first loved us. It's not about the intellectual argument. Yes, that will come in handy when people are, are trying to refute who God is and trying to uh, throw in works and theology and all that stuff, but it's the point of knowing him. Knowing him. Who is he? He's revealed himself to you. The one who died for you, who, who sought you out in the middle of nowhere, who's, who's, who's pulled you out of the pit of hell. He's revealed himself to you, and he wants you to know who he is. He loves you. King of kings, Lord of lords. Imagine if the President of the United States said, please, I want you to know, have a, have a personal dinner with me. I want you to understand something about my life. I mean, how many of us would take him up on that? Okay, stop it. All right, you bunch of Republicans. Oh, you didn't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, come on. Who can you use on earth now? We're such disrespectors. But seriously, someone that you do not have access to asks you to have a, you know, a, 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 an intimate conversation knowing about who they are, the workings, who they are, where they came from. You know, you'd want to know this. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who holds the universe in his hands, who's protected you, who's guided you, who's brought you to this very place this day. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him fully. And in that is life. To know him is life. Not to breathe in and out. To know him. And so go after him with all your heart. And that's the purpose of this. Again, not to just win something in your mind. And today's focus is upon the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, he's called the third person by theologians because, well, I don't know why they do that. No, actually, it's the Father is definitely the most prominent in Scripture. And the Son is servant to the Father. He is so, showed as submitted to the Father in Scripture. And we see the Holy Spirit even takes the third place. He is to testify of the Son. And so that's kind of when they, when they say the first, second, third. Now, really quick, wives, submit to your husbands. You must be not their equal. I'm sorry. You are every bit the equal. Submission to authority, submission to authority does not mean that you are less equal. And neither does Jesus submitting to the Father mean that he's less nor the Holy Spirit to the Son. Do you understand that? But we, they try to uh, say because Jesus submits to the Father that, uh, that he's not equal. The Bible teaches opposite. So I want to get that out in front right away. So the Holy Spirit being the third of, of uh, the third uh, person in the Trinity. In discussing the fact that the Holy Spirit is God, it's important to us to point out that the Holy Spirit is actually a person. There's people and, and doctrines out there that say that it's an active force. And they get this because, and, and understandably so in some ways, because of the name in Hebrew and in Greek, the Old and New Testament, that is used to describe 
his name, what he's called, the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, it's ruach, which means wind or breath, the breath of God. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. It's the same thing. And so this description of the Holy Spirit is wind or breath. And so they think that it's impersonal because of that. However, as we read, the Bible clearly actually teaches that he is a person. We can clearly see this because the Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture by the pronoun he. It's not, he's not referred to as an it. Jesus, now I want to go straight to the source, Jesus. He always referred to the, the Holy Spirit as he. He never called him an it. John 15, 26, first reference to write down. It says, when the advocate comes, whom? I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. doesn't say it. Open up to John 16. John 16, 12 through 14. I have the luxury of having it already printed out, but this helps me to time it. Raise your hand when you're there, John 16. Let's read it together. When you're there, everybody raise your hand if you're there. If you're still searching, raise your hand. Okay, that's better. Okay, two of you. Okay, well, wait a second. And again, I was always last in class, so I'm waiting for you. Okay, John 16, 12 through 14. Ready? Begin. I have much more to say to you. More than you can bear now. But when he, the the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. This is Jesus speaking. So is the Holy Spirit in it? No, he is a he. Obviously, these are just a few examples referring to Jesus. I'm going to read a few from Paul. Paul, obviously, he wrote most of the New Testament. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Notice the fact that the other people are being the other people who are referred to in the conversation. This is Jesus and, and, and God the Father are referred to here. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom Jesus isn't yeah, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. That's a great verse. I love that. Paul, who wrote the New Testament, identifies the Holy Spirit as a person. The Bible teaches the Holy Spirit is a person. A person has an intellect. It has emotions and it has will. It has those things, right? No, we have those things, right? We have an intellect. We can think. We have emotions. We emote, right? We have a will. We choose to do things. The Holy Spirit does the same. The Bible teaches this. 
Here are some, uh, some of the actions that identify the Holy Spirit as a person taken from uh, the, Holy, the book called The Holy Spirit by Billy Graham, and I really recommend you get it. It's just great. I think it's, uh, it's been updated to say, you know, the Holy Spirit, uh, how, to act, you know, how to activate him in your life or something. I don't know what it is, but it's great. It's really biblical. It's right on. It's simple to read. But it says he speaks. These are attributes of a person. He speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. In a Revelation 2.7, what does it say? It says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Who's speaking there? Kind of confusing, isn't it? Is it Jesus or is it the Spirit? Yes. <laughs> who will give that? You know, who, who, who's going to give that right? Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit is speaking. He will give you the right to eat of the tree of life. Whoa. That's pretty intense. Acts 13.2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called to him. The Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks in our hearts and our lives as well. Each of us have different experiences of how this works. Open to Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26. Ready? Let's read. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He prays for you. He goes before the Father. Don't ask me how that works. I don't know, but it's in wordless groans. How many people are groaning for you today? You know, I mean, seriously. Really caring about what's going on in your life. Really just hurting for you. Really desiring to, 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 to they see your circumstances and they are just, they're identifying and wanting to help you. The Holy Spirit does this. He intercedes for you. He cries out and goes, look what's going on. He loves you. Cares for you. Intercedes for you. He intercedes for you. He testifies in John 1, 15, I'm sorry, in John 15, 26, it says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit testifies. Again, he testifies about whom? Jesus Christ. We get uh, we have a real kind of issue in the church when we think that the, the Holy Spirit testifies about us and about our giftings and about how wonderful we are. When the Holy Spirit is operating, it testifies to Jesus Christ. It brings Him glory. And that is really why many churches are fearful about the gifts of the Spirit. And they're fearful about some of these types of things because of the, the blatant abuse, I think, and the lack of understanding of what the Holy Spirit actually does. 
He brings glory to the, to, to the Son. And that's, that's his, 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 his operation, one of his operations, is to bring glory to the Son. And so we want to, you know, be open to the Holy Spirit and His work through you in this body, in this gathering. But notice, there are some parameters of discerning when the Holy Spirit is working or, or it's just you. We testify. Testify to the Son. It brings glory. It brings attention. It brings focus to Jesus Christ. That's the desire this morning when we lead worship. I've led worship for years, and I've played with musicians who are absolutely just amazing musicians, some of them here today. You know what I'm saying? And the attention can be brought upon the voice. The attention can be brought upon, oh, man, look at that guy's lick on his guitar. Look at all, you know, what he can do. I mean, I can play guitar if you want me to play guitar and, and go crazy solo and whammy bar and blow you away. Where's the attention going? Look at how he plays. And I know sometimes we still struggle with that. But we want to disappear. We want the focus as the Holy Spirit moves in the room. Our hearts get pulled and pointed to who? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So pray for that. Pray for us as we lead worship. We're not trying to get up here and go, look at what we're doing. We're just one of you. And we want to get together and we want to say, look at him. Look at him. Look what he's done for us. And it's hard to get up here and play songs and everybody's looking at you. And, you know, but if our hearts were focused on Jesus, prepare to come in here and go, I'm worshiping Jesus. And, 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 and to encourage some of these people to go, you know what? We're going to pray for you, that you'd be encouraged. I mean, what kind of atmosphere is that? We're a team in here. We're all together. We're focusing on bringing him glory. It's a worship service to him. Amen? And as that happens, the Holy Spirit, guess what? Ministers to you. Your hearts get blessed. Because as we focus on Him, the things that are needed in our lives become apparent. And the body begins to work. And the gifts operate. And things are said that are not known. People are healed. People are prayed for. People, there's things in our lives that get exposed. Sin is, is, is dealt with. Joy is restored. Love fills us. The fruit of the Spirit happens. Self-control. Amen? That's what we're after. We're after Him. Not to do our duty. We want to meet Him together. You know, Hebrews talks about that. That's why we're gathered here today. Testify. He leads. Acts 8, 29. So the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. He told him where to go. He leads us. How many of you need direction in your life this morning? Okay, cool, an army of needing direction. The Holy Spirit will guide us. He will lead us in truth. He restrains in Acts 16.16. 16, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of uh, Phygra, uh, sorry, uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having kept by, uh, have been ke having been, sorry, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching. And when they came to the border of, of Mysia, they, tr they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. What happened there? The Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Very interesting. And he restrains. 
you'll notice that the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus are interchangeable in the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. He guides, John 16, 13, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come, just as Jesus did. He did not speak on His own, but He spoke with the Father, told Him the Holy Spirit does so the same today. He can be lied to, Acts 5, we'll get there in a second. He can be insulted. Hebrews 10.29, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? He can be insulted. He's a person, friends. He can be blasphemed. We'll talk about that in a minute. He can be grieved. All of us have probably done this to him in our lives. Some of us are doing this this morning. We're grieving the person of the Holy Spirit. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Okay, I'll stop now. But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Powerful words. Continues in, in uh, where am I here? I don't know. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And I'm just going to read the rest of it because it's kind of cool. It says, get rid of all bitterness. These are the things that grieve God. These are the things that grieve God. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit, then you do these things. If you, don't, if you want to not grieve the Holy Spirit, then let's get rid of these things. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling in slander along with every form of malice. And then here's the remedy. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So let's get rid of that kind of stuff. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, and I do. So the Holy Spirit is a person with intellect, will, and emotion. But not only is the Holy person a spirit, He's not an impersonal force. He is declared to be God in Scripture. And we're going to end with these verses here. One of the ways the Bible shows the Holy Spirit is God is that he shares the attributes of God. There are certain things that only God can do. And the Holy Spirit shares those attributes. He is eternal. Turn to Hebrews. Uh, actually, I'll have you read the next one because it's shorter. Everybody turn to Psalm 139, 7. Psalm 139, 7. And put your finger there, but I'm going to read a verse before we get there, all right? I had a beginning. Anybody here had a beginning? Amen. We are not eternal. We will go into eternity, but we, we, we had a starting point. God created us. God, he did not have a starting point. He always was and always will be. We cannot get that in our little infinite you know, a finite mind. It's one of those things that are outside the box for us, right? Hebrews 9, 13-14 says, The blood of goats and bulls and all the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremony unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from our acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The eternal spirit. He's eternal. He's present everywhere. Let's read Psalm 139, verse 7. Ready, begin. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You can't go anywhere. And that's the thing that stinks about sinning. Amen? He's watching. It's worse than Santa Claus. I mean, it's just, he's right there. Amen? You can't flee from him. And and David goes on and on about that. He's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 through 11. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. He knows all things. He's the creator. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning was the word. Sorry, that's the other, that's the other beginning. In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the uh, face, the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was involved in the creative process. That word hovering is brooding like a chicken on an egg. He's getting ready to birth something. He is the creator. There's also many more examples. Also, I want to go into the last ones here. Now the scriptures, as the scriptures declare the Father and the Son to be God, they also declare the Spirit to be God. And this is where you've got to focus in. Ready? Here's where not only just verses about his attributes, but it actually says that he is God. Here we go. Open to Acts 5, 1 through 4. Acts chapter 5. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read it, but you can just read along in your head. Okay? Acts chapter 5, 1 through 4. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You could do whatever you want with it? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just human beings, but to to God. He just told them, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And then he says, you have not lied to just human beings. You have lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we can lie to him. And Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead, so I don't recommend doing that. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 1. I don't know how you do that. 1 through 15 through 18. Oh, I see. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. This will be our last scripture reference. We might get out of here early if you're good. I know. I'll read it for you, but read it in your along in your head. 
2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Praise God. That was me putting that in there. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty, right? And we all, who with, veil, with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Who's he talking about? Who's the Lord? We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Now, that is in direct contradiction, because I heard that Jesus was Lord somewhere. And I know that the Father is Lord. Yes, they are all true. This is the thing that and our minds kind of keep coming to. You have to separate. You have to divide. You have to, one can't, you know, they overlap titles. They overlap uh, authority. They overlap uh, attributes. They are God. Again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God is plural. Elohim. I am at the end of anything. Hebrew makes it plural. In the beginning, God's created the heaven and the earth. How is that so? Because God is one, yet he's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The scriptures teach that there is only one God, yet the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all declared to be God in the Bible. One God, three co-equal eternal persons. Now, I know this has been a little bit intellectual, but I want to encourage you to pray this week. Go over these verses, not just to memorize them as a bunch of facts, but to ask the Lord to, to help to continue to change our views on who he is. Who is he? Who is this that we worship? Do we worship in ignorantly? Sometimes. We want to know him. He wants you to know him. Again, I want to encourage you to do that. Not only that our minds would grow, but our hearts would be changed by knowing him and the truth of what he says. As we close, I want to encourage you with something I read, and this is pretty cool. And this is where we are going next week as we get into the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to talk more about the person of the Holy Spirit and his acts in our lives and what he does, but I'm also going to talk about the gifts. It will not be um, totally, um, you know, an exhaustive presentation on it, so there'll be a lot of room for you to study on your own. But this is a cool thing. So speaking to a large audience, D.L. Moody held up a glass and asked, how can I get the air out of this glass? One man shouted, suck it out with a pump. <laughs> Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After numerous other suggestions, Moody smiled, picked up a pitcher of water, and he filled the glass. There, he said, all the air is now removed. He then went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out a sin here and there, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you. And that's where the victory is. Amen. I want to take a moment and just uh, and just pray for a second. So let, let's just pray. And just uh, let's be silent before the Lord, actually. Let's just be quiet and, and let him speak to your heart. And if he's saying something to you, write it down. Okay?
Lord, we want to thank you for desiring to follow us, to seek us, to pursue us. We claim that we pursue you, but the truth is we really, apart from your grace, apart from your pull, we don't. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Pursue us today, this week, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to the things you want to do in and through us. Help us to be resting at your feet. Help us to let go of things we hold on to so tightly and let you fill us with yourself. And I pray this, the fruit of the Spirit would begin to just uh, increase more and more in our lives. That this place would be filled with not a false unity, but a true unity in your Spirit. That we wouldn't be... Um, just pulled away. The enemy wants to do that to us. But that you'd be united. More and more, you're doing that work. You have done that work. Increase it, Lord, in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for this group of believers. We, we pray for those who, who need help this morning. You are the comforter. Will you comfort them? So often we pray for you to take away everything, Lord, and make everything all right. But where that happens is in your presence. Help us to be in your presence, to practice your presence, Lord. Help these pains and aches in our lives push us to you and not to the other things that are just substitutes. Minister to your kids, Lord. Minister to me. We love you, God. Thank you. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Awesome. Love you guys. Take care. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen?